0: in this second Sunday of Advent with a couple scripture readings, one you already heard from Isaiah, uh, one that probably has a lot of names and situations that are unfamiliar to our ears, but what is being discussed is a difficult political situation where alliances are being made that threaten the house of David and in, into this politically volatile and uncertain situation. We we first hear those Familiar words of promise about a child being born, Emmanuel, God, with us. It makes us mindful that the promise of Christmas, the promise of Jesus, is not simply or merely for individual persons, but but, but truly societies, nations, people groups, and, and given as a hope in the midst of much unknown. That's the Isaiah context. We lead now into Matthew's, scripture for today, Matthew 1 verses 18 to 25, and we zero in on just a couple of the key characters involved in seeing this hope emerge. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, Growing up, we always set out a manger scene by our front door. Joseph, Mary, the wise men, shepherds, angels, animals. They were all in and around the manger where baby Jesus was to arrive on Christmas Day. Now, a big part of this whole scene were the three sheep, one for me and my two brothers. One had a a B underfoot for Bobby, one had an M underfoot for Michael, one had an S for Scott. And every year on December 1st, these sheep would be placed about two feet away from the manger scene itself. The big question every year was, will these three sheep make it to the manger scene by Christmas Day? If we behaved on a certain day, our sheep got moved forward toward the manger that evening. If we were a bit wild during the day, sheep might not move at all. If we were really out of hand, the sheep would move backward. No greater fear did my seven-year-old self know than a backward-walking sheep with bee sharpied underfoot, lest I missed Christmas. Whatever that meant to my seven-year-old self. Our passage from the Gospel of Matthew begins with Joseph's story seemingly about to take a few steps back from where God is, but but then it, it, it fi- we find it's a story that, that finds a way forward at first by not moving at all. In other words, Joseph's story has all three sheep dynamics at work. Again, though, the way the story begins, it appears Joseph and Mary's life are about to take a number of steps back from God's way. Joseph has discovered Mary is pregnant and quite naturally assumes she has slept with another man. It appears it's going to be devastating for Mary, no matter what happens, but for Joseph, there are still a couple difficult options to move forward under Mosaic law. The punishment for adultery was public stoning, much as nearly happened to that woman in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, as the men of the village, you may recall, gathered around to cast the first stone. Joseph could rightly bring Mary before the council and expect such a thing to unfold. The the other option available was, was a quiet divorce. It would almost certainly mean a life of poverty for Mary, but she would have her life, she would have this child. Matthew calls Joseph righteous, the kind of sheep that, that keeps moving forward one good step at a time, and because he's a good sheep, he will swallow whatever anger or, or shame he might have at about being wronged, and he will take the noble road of quiet divorce as his next step forward. My guess is if this story had continued this way, Mary and Joseph, they'd... Separated many years later, in Joseph's waning days, perhaps someone stands to give Joseph a toast. Or maybe it would be the kind of thing that gets said at Joseph's funeral service. And my guess is they'd, they'd say, you know, Joseph was a good man. Joseph was a righteous man. And somebody would say, you know what, none of you know just how good he was. Years ago, he could have very rightly sent that woman who cheated on him before the law. But he endured instead a quiet Pain and let her go without retribution. Do you know a Joseph? The kind who does good even when they are wrong, the kind that, that weighs the next step forward and, and tries to balance justice and compassion, law and grace. The truth is, I think the church is often filled with Joseph's good people trying to do the right thing, and often when we We are confronted with challenging moments and decisions where where really it it feels like this way or that. This solution with these drawbacks or that solution with these drawbacks. Funds here, funds here. This treatment or that one. This compromise or that one. Perhaps you yourselves are in the middle of one or two decisions about the next step goodness, the church around the world, certainly at FBC we have been acutely aware in these recent months how necessary it is to keep making decisions about our COVID reality, how we navigate, how we continue to place at the forefront love of God and love of neighbor no matter what else and however else we do it, but this way or that. Bottom line, good sheep, they continue to find a way to keep moving forward, and yet The most wondrous part of our passage comes the moment when our righteous lead character ceases all movement. Just before Joseph has had time to put the next foot forward in his decision, he falls asleep. It's a posture of complete passivity. There is no motion at all. I like what theologian, uh, Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann has to say about the centrality of this particular posture for the life of faith We must sleep. We require seasons of rest and therefore of vulnerability. Our control flags. We become open to stirrings that we do not initiate. Such stirrings come to us in the night unbidden. They invite us beyond our initiative-taking management. Many of us wrestle with how and when Jesus is speaking to us, but maybe the first question is this, where are our spaces of rest where we are not planning our next move? Where are the spaces in which our heart can slow long enough to to listen without the urge to control or guard or or respond or, or take initiative? Where are those spaces where we start to recognize the gift that we need not always keep moving, keep searching, but rather recognize that another has already drawn near to us? Unless we forget, God actually gifts us one of those spaces, the Sabbath. Uh, There is much to say about that particular space for another Day, But suffice it to say, God does not think it is a bad idea at all to give sheep days on which they just don't move. In fact, God writes that day into the very rhythm of our existence. In our story, the Lord appears to Joseph in the motionless, unguarded space of sleep. It's in keeping being asleep through a dream. That he is fully awakened to God. There, this angel speaks and calls Joseph by name. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The, The child is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. A beautiful, remarkable, stunning promise, but notice how the first exhortation makes clear that just because God is is drawing near and, and Joseph's fully awakened to God, this does not mean life is suddenly going to get simpler or easy easier or blessings are just starting to fall out of the sky. Do not be afraid is the first thing the angel says. Because moments ago, Joseph thought there were basically two options. Mary goes before the law, may very well be st- publicly stoned, to death, or she's quietly divorced. Now God has spoken. There's a third option on the table. Joseph's to marry this woman, who everyone will suppose is pregnant by way of another man. It's an option where, to all appearances, Joseph's not keeping the law, not doing the rational, prudent, good thing. In fact, it's undoubtedly a terrifying option as he considers the way it very well may affect his standing in the community his family, his friendships, his economic well-being. From everyone else's perspective, this, this is a scandalizing choice that has been put on the table. And yet, the truth is, frequently when God speaks into our lives, our situations, what is said may well put a new way forward on the table it may truly be the way of, of, of the beautiful next thing God is looking to birth through a people, but it can also be far more challenging than the couple thought options we thought we had on the table. Think even of some of the ways Jesus speaks to us through the Gospel of Matthew, which we're looking at today. Just consider some of that alone in the manner of these words of Jesus might make things more challenging in any number of directions for any number of situations. Give to the one who asks. What, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother and, or sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Forgive. Seventy times seven. You cannot serve both God and money. Blessed are the peacemakers. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You see, there is a kind of stillness we need more of in our lives. The the vulnerable, unguarded space where we sheep do not move, that we might awaken to the God who has drawn near and is speaking. But there's also a kind of stillness that's dangerous, the kind of stillness where we we do actually have some sense for what Jesus is calling us to do, what God's word has to say. It's just that we're paralyzed by fear and when we count the cost of what it might mean if we did this or said this. The angel begins the address to Joseph with, do not be afraid because what is recognized as that this particular word from the angel may well create a paralyzing fear from Joseph are any of us stuck in this second kind of stillness against which the angel immediately warns do we fear what would happen if we joined Joseph and and we actually took the next step of faith if we actually risked foolishness with our generosity in a certain direction foolishness with our forgiveness Our love of enemies, our love of the other group, foolishness with our advocacy and care for certain people, certain situations. What if others saw us living out this foolishness? Do we fear the potential failure or do we fear being overwhelmed? Do we fear the repercussions? Do we fear the loss of a relationship? Are there certain ways in which we find ourselves this day, entirely still, and it is not faith but in fact fear, largely, that's holding us in place? Thanks be to God, do not fear is not the only thing God provides in the face of Joseph's potential paralysis. Paralysis. Donald Miller is an author and speaker who tells this story in one of his books entitled Blue Like Jazz. A Navy SEAL team flew by helicopter one night to a compound in another country where hostages had been for months, now a couple decades more um, in time. This team stormed into the space and uh, quite dark, incredibly filthy. You could smell it. You could feel it. The hostages themselves were curled in, in, in a corner, terrified. The Navy SEALs, they begin calling to these hostages, come, you're free. Let's go. Follow us. The hostages remain terrified. One of the SEALs has an idea. He, he puts down his weapon. He, he takes off his helmet and with no protection walks over to the hostages and curls up into them, his body against theirs, his arms around a couple of them. And he just situates himself there. And he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Most fundamentally, the Christmas story is not about whether or not the sheep make it to the manger, because honestly, the sheep, we are constantly going astray or paralyzed by fear. No, the Christmas story, it is about the fact that Jesus has gone to the sheep who are held hostage by fear, by injustice, and he has come to save us from our sin. He has nestled in with us no matter how dark or off-putting the fears and brokenness may be. God with us. Perfect love dwelling with us, and perfect love, Scripture declares, perfect love casts out all fear. After a while, the Navy SEAL eventually stood in motion for the hostages to to leave the dark and, and walk, at that point, a very unknown road. And they followed And this God with us, Jesus, eventually stands, calls us by name and says, do not fear, follow me. It's my prayer that in our waning days, perhaps at our funeral, others will stand and say, let me tell you about the new birth, the new life that emerged and grew because this sheep, these sheep, they were met by love in the space of fear. And they heeded and followed that voice of love. Thanks be to God. Amen.